Hello and welcome aboard our podcast, Fighting Catholic Jetlag. My name is JC and I'll be your host. I'm a flight attendant and I'm on a journey to find my place within the Catholic Church. I'll be accompanied by my friend and co-host, Father Larry Hostetter, priest of 34 years and doctor of sacred theology. He's a Catholic University president and for our discussion, he'll serve as spiritual ground control to keep things on course for our flight back to faith. At times, we'll be navigating through difficult and uncomfortable issues, so prepare for a bit of turbulence along the way. There won't always be easy answers, but no subject will be off the table. If you're ready to explore your own doubts and questions and rediscover your faith with us, then sit back, buckle up, and enjoy our flight to faith. Well, yesterday at Lur, I mean, Rebecca was a celebrity. I was embarrassed. I you was were? Embarrassed. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Who are you celebrity at? So our server, I mean, he record, was. Are you recording this? Yeah. Okay. He was the cutest, smiliest little thing. Yeah. And at one point he said, you have an accent. And I'm like, no shit. <laughs> and then he kept like, He was like, where are you guys from? And I'm like, here. And he's like, but you're not. And she's like, no, I'm not. I'm not so he doesn't have, the, doesn't know yet that when you encounter somebody who has an accent, there is a way of making an inquiry. Which, with, what do you say? Because I, I always struggle with this the on the plane. I really don't say anything anymore. Yeah. And um, yeah, me too. Uh, I I might find a way in you know what where where are you from you know or do you live here. Um, have you always lived here? <laughs> you know? yeah. I, well, it's still, it's you, still and keep, hard. And, yeah. And I think sometimes people were like, kind of like, okay, play let's just, lot. let's just play along and right. not keep it a secret. But my mom who had a very strong German accent. People uh-huh. would just say, Oh, I love your accent. Uh, where are you from? Yeah. You know? And, um, so, and I, the one time I had somebody that was from Australia that, he was talking and he said, well, as you can tell, I'm not from here. And I said, well, I was just trying, you know, and when you, people do that. They're actually, opening the door. Yeah. yeah it's, uh, so I said, well, I was wondering where to pinpoint your, your accent. And oh, yeah. he said, well, he said, well, guess. And oh, God. so I said, <laughs> and I guessed Australia. And he said, well, most people guess Scotland, uh-huh. you know, you know, and normally I just let it go. It's yeah. like, it, it's, it's, it's like one of those things you do. You don't ask on the first date. Yes. It's like, like, okay, you get to know somebody a little bit and then it'll come out anyway. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's great. You know, speaking of another podcast, um, before we go into details. So these gals um, introduced me to a podcast um, about a true crime podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, what is it called? Murder, She Wrote. Not Murder, She Wrote. I no. love you guessing, so um, I'm just going to let you keep guessing. Murder. I like Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> I like Murder. No. No, you've got it. My favorite murders. My yeah, favorite murder. <laughs> okay, you're doing you're doing the, the dad thing where you add an S on the end of everything, and I love it. Yeah. But it's just, it's, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because that's what Barb does. Well, at least I didn't say the my favorite. The mummy, <laughs> the WalMarts. Uh, so there's two guys- co-hosts for this. It's not. It's adult. They use their language is a little bit. It's worse than ours. Yeah, their language <laughs> is a little, is a little tough sometimes. But they look at true crime and things you know that have never been solved, and they don't look at it from in a 
purient kind of way, but in a way that is like like a train wreck. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It's more like um, these are some horrible things that happened, and and they try to always take it back to the victims, mm-hmm. and it, it's really. Oh, it's good. I've listened to a few of them, but I was always trying to figure out who JC sounds like. Which one? Karen or Georgia? Oh, I bet I know what he's going to say. Karen and Georgia, if you all are listening. Um, Well, one of them's Catholic. I think so. You all listen more than I do. But I could never figure out. Every now and then, JC has a little bit of a flavor of one of them. I know you're going to say. Intonation or something. And I couldn't figure out which one because I can't tell them apart. They get and, that a lot, I think. You know, and yeah. so, but I think. Let's say it at the count of three. Wait, one, wait, two, three. Karen. Karen. Yeah. I knew you were going to say Karen. Because I'm not a scratchy voice. I would, oh, I didn't I think of scratchy I voice. No, no, this it's more is, of an intonation thing. This is Karen. Hello. It's a little Pat, bit of both. Pat, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that, yeah, but so I do she, get... she embodies both, but it's it's that yeah. scratch, that scratchy voice. Is that what you? Yeah, it's yeah. A, it more of an intonation and the way you say things and where you put your emphases. Yeah, is okay. similar okay. to hers. I, you know, the ebullient spirit. Probably the ebullient spirit the, that literally spirit sums sums it up like perfectly. The Georgia one. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, Karen's Catholic. Maybe she'll listen, but. Um, my voice, uh, I and you. If you include this, we're done here. But <laughs> I, I get the strangest comments about my voice on the plane. Like I had a guy walk off the plane once and say, "Your voice sounds like Disney World." <laughs> yeah, Disney World. I get asked a lot if I sing. To the point that, and I, I like start, which it's funny because out of everyone in my family, I'm the only one who can't sing. And I've bargained with God so many times. If he would just give me a voice to sing, I would, I would sing your praises. And he's like, no, you wouldn't. (laughs) Um, So I'm the only one in the family who can't sing, but I get asked a lot. Do you sing because of your, your scratchy voice? Um, I convinced myself that I bet I, I can sing. And so I told Ben, I'm like, I really think, I really think I could do it. So I, I tried singing the other night and he, yes, I really felt it. I really felt like I've been like, it it sounds real when I'm in the shower. It really does. I've been doing it a lot in the car. The acoustics are great on that thing. Um, But I I really thought, I'm like turning red now because I really thought, he tries out his comedy with me and I thought, just listen, he thought I was kidding. (laughs) He would not stop laughing. And then my feelings got hurt. I'm like, I thought this was a safe space. He's like, it's not. So, um, so for our upcoming live event, which we're going to tell you about here in a minute, right? We want you to burst okay. into song. I will because I, I, I can't hear it. I just hear wonderfulness. I'm just kidding. No, what do you want me to sing? It's a song that Annie ought to always sing tomorrow. The sun will come out tomorrow. Um, did my mother tell you to bring that up? No, but it just seems like something you would have sung when you were a kid. Are you being serious right now? No. What do you know? I don't know anything. Have you been Googling me? No. Stop. Uh, are there YouTube videos no. of you saying? No, listen. Oh, I've never Googled JC. No, no, not right yet. Now. No. Right. So, uh, 
But that aside, what I was saying, you brought up Annie, the musical, Little Redhead, I'm turning red again. Um, I, actually, in when I... The sun will come out. Go I, ahead. Do it, do it, do it. That wasn't my song. I was oh. cast <laughs> in the play Annie in the fifth grade. I wanted to be Annie more than I wanted to breathe. And I knew that it was down to me and one other girl. I just knew that it was between us. I didn't get it. And later on, I realized it was not between <laughs> she and I. It was, it was literally just her. It was, you I just was, thought you were I in just, the running. I thought for sure I was in the running. However, I was cast as second lead orphan, Molly. And it was it was an honor. It was a privilege to be a part of this as a fifth grader. Um, that summer, we have um, like this festival in Somerset. Okay, the whole town goes, and it's kind of like our romp. We call it Master Musicians Festival. They asked us to perform the a song by the orphans. Okay, so a second lead orphan. Obviously, I was in this. Practice all summer for it. The voice instructor, Miss Kibby, um, pulls me aside right before we were going on stage after after we had our rehearsals. And she said, JC, why don't you try just saying the part? <laughs> you don't have to sing them. Why don't you? You can just say them. Because you were probably that little girl that was there and, and just happy as can be and just the loudest. and Second like, lead orphan. What else yeah. would you expect? And my mom said, I looked at her and I said, Miss Kibby, I'm going to sing it for you. I'm going to sing it. And I did. <laughs> so thank you for bringing up my trauma. Uh, can we talk about Father anyway, Larry is so rubbing his eyes. You might want disbelief. to come out to the live event. The live event. Because well, let's I, tell them who we are for them to introduce ourselves. Oh, I'm, I'm Father Larry Hostetter. I'm J.C. Hart, second lead orphan, and Annie, And we got Rebecca Sapp here with us. Unfortunately, Laura McClary can't be with us today, but we are Fighting, fighting Catholic, Catholic Jet, Jet lag. lag, the musical. The musical, <laughs> that's right. So anyway, uh, we are good. I don't know how she's going to cut all of that. We, she's not. <laughs> that is true. Father that's Larry true. just looked at me and said, She's not. It's gold. No. Yeah. This, this is how this happens. I, I always end up saying something that I probably need to be in therapy for. And you just skate on by. Like, <laughs> uh, tell us more about that. So I need something from this, you. This particular, do you want the rest of us to tell childhood trauma stories? Like let's this, do that, it. So childhood trauma. Let's so go. So that you don't feel so bad. Yes, I do. Yeah, I would never do it in front of everybody in the microphone. Oh, <laughs> I know you've got something. I know you've got something. I told the story of me singing in, in seminary. I was supposed to sing the Exalted. Did I tell, tell that story of one of these episodes? Well, let's hear it again. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's you worth know, the hearing Exalted again. The Easter if Vigil. it's your only embarrassing trauma. Well, there's actually multiple. Ones, but this, and this was not really this is your favorite one. It's more funny. I didn't want to sing the Exalted because I knew I didn't have a good voice. And... Viral. Um, you know you thought you had a good I voice, did, just like no, I did. I did not. I knew at that point I had been told too many times that I kept, couldn't carry a tune. So um, they put me with this the nun, the sister who taught voice at seminary. And she said, I can teach everyone. There's no one. She was like 80 years old. There's no one in my long career that I've never been able to teach. I said, okay, This sounds fine. like my voice teacher in fifth grade. So Go on. So <laughs> we got our first couple of lessons. And I, I tried getting out of it. And I said, you know, sister, 
there's a lay person in the parish that can sing this that is more than happy to do it. She says, no, this is part of your role as a deacon. You, you need to learn how to do this. I said, okay. After two sessions, she said, do you have that lay person's phone number? Oh my gosh. <laughs> because it might be better if they went ahead and did it. Oh my goodness. I'm not wasting my time. We have the same voice coach. Yeah. Yeah. Just, yes. So now you should feel better. Uh, yeah. Anyway, to get back to what we were trying to say, Miss Kitty, have a live event. I can't even. My I need a five minute like, fighting break. Catholic, fighting Catholic jet lag live event. Live event. We are so, so tell pumped. people about it. Okay, so we have a live event coming up. We have been asked by Bill Brown, who is has a pub downtown pub on second and it's it's awesome it's where uh, gambrinas used to be former gambrinas former yeah, gambrinas current pub on second and it's going to be a lot of fun we're going to have it on a tuesday night we have chosen the day it? december 14th we will get back to you with the time we will post on all of our social media channels on our website as well um but so plan now go ahead and Pencil Mark that in your, your calendars, calendar. December 14th. Yeah. Save the date. Save as they the say. date, as they say. Yeah. Um, and what are we going to be talking about? Am I supposed to know this? Yeah. Oh, the, a little bit about Christmas and Advent and seasons. and yeah. What? Is that it? That, do people, will people come out for that? Uh, probably not. Okay. It's going to be something really, really good. It's going to be good. something really good and punchy as possible. Actually, we're gonna, probably going to have uh, the ability for people to maybe... Send in some questions. You of can things that send you've in been your listening. questions. Because we're bringing this. This is our first season. Our first season is going to come to an end. This is our last episode of this season. Yes. This is our ordinary time, if you will. Yes. So, so we're about we to. We really should be telling people what time this. So, yes, it'll be Tuesday Just evening. hang around on 2nd Street all day yes. on December the 14th. December the 14th. And, uh, and then when you see JC. You'll know. Rebecca, you'll know that you're 15 minutes late. Yeah. And that it already started. Um, so, yeah, we want to see you there. We will be taking questions. It'll be fun and interactive. Um, we will also be having some um, adult beverages. And one of the drinks that we'll be having is called Holy Water. So, Holy Water. yeah, TBD. Did you invent it or something? We've invented it. TBD on what it's going to entail, but it's going to uh, be delicious. Uh, sacrilege yeah. everything we do on here seems a little sacrilege <laughs> father larry um what's an idea you have for a drink name it'll be called holy water holy water with things holy water like h w h o l l y water sure if that'll if that'll that takes it away from the edge of being just a little bit if that'll prevent us from getting like a write-up from the vatican right. then by all yeah, means like, holy water holy i like water. it it's holy it's water. holy, holy. all-encompassing what's right. what's some what are some ideas you have for drink for like cocktail names like fun theme cocktail names oh yeah. mm. myrrh myrrh I like that. I really enjoy that, Rebecca. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, that's a nice. What do I, you have? I don't have anything off the top Come of on, my head. Come on, I know you. I, know I really don't. I can't think of anything off the top of my head like this, just spur of the moment. Okay, well, if you have any ideas, uh, we'll have a little contest. If you have an idea of what we can, uh, a cocktail that you think a we should make. A signature a cocktail. A signature cocktail. For fighting Catholic jet lag. Yes. We're having, it'll be a Christmas I think we special. Call it Catholic jet lag. 
Okay. That's one idea. But if you have any ideas, um, depending on the level of sacrilege they are, send to my inbox for Father Larry's. We would love to read them. And whoever sends us the best one, that's what that's what we'll call it. That's a good idea. And we'll give you a free one. So um Father Larry's who's doing the eye that? twitch go thinking, <laughs> who's gonna pay for that? So uh it'll come out of our fighting Catholic jet lag fund. <laughs> so yeah, let's hear it. Write us, find us at Fighting Catholic Jet Lag on Instagram. <laughs> so we will start up again. So this is the last episode for this season. Oh, yes, just this to is give everybody a little bit of break and the we'll finale, start up again then in the new year. We'll start up in the new year. Yeah. So we'll are we still having a Christmas special. Or? We are going to have a Christmas special that is coming to you in December. We will get back to you with the details. So it's not exactly the last episode of 2021. Unless we just really feel like it. Yeah. But no, we're gonna have a Christmas special. We are special. planning a Christmas episode, but you know, it gets busy and everything. Things, and it's like, you know, I just can't do this again. Yes. Um, I just can't do this but we might sell the rights to the Vatican. They might we come We really up with are hoping to find a way to get the three moms on for the Christmas. The three special. wise moms. Let's call them so that. Hold on with bated breath. That'll mm-hmm. be JC's mom. Little B. Little B. The three Rebecca's queens. mom, Joe. And Lauren's mom, Sally. Sal. Yeah. yeah. I love it. St. Sal. And... Not JoJo, but anyway. So everybody clear on what we're doing? (laughs) Is everyone clear? Is that you as a teacher? me as a teacher. Is everyone clear? All right, get to work. Filthy little animals. Does everybody know what the assignment is? (laughs) There's always one person. What did you say? Okay, let me explain it again. This is our last episode, but we probably will have two more. We will have two We're more. We're getting kicked off the airwaves. That's we why. Are, we are having a live event at Pub on the 2nd, December uh, 14th, yeah. sometime that evening. Pencil it in now. You know what you just called it? What did I call it? It's called Pub on 2nd. I said Pub on the 2nd. Pub, <laughs> pub on the 2nd. So come down to Pub on the 2nd. On December 14th. What is, you know, I have said the Walmart. I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. I'm going to go to the Walmart and see what they have. Uh, You might not be a dad, but you are a father. So (laughs) you're not exactly. Does that like happen as soon as you turn 60? You start adding the in front of. And an S at the end. Yeah. That's right. It must be what happened to America when America broke from England. Because notice, have you noticed in in England they they don't, do they, don't they don't say I'm going to the hospital they say I'm going to hospital okay. or I'm going to university. So there is one place, Liverpool, that adds a the yeah the Liverpool and that's like so Walmart is ASDA, so they'll say I'm going to the ASDA and that's oh. a Liverpool thing. Will they go to the hospital too? Yeah. Instead of instead of do they say do they say the weight rose? Yeah, they'd say that. Oh my goodness gracious! So the what? Waitrose. The waitrose. Hey, who's the, who's the the funny lady on British comedy who's an older lady, Mrs. Brown? Mrs. Brown's boys. And it's on YouTube every now and then. It pops up on YouTube, and it's hilarious. So Mrs. Brown's boys or something. My grandparents actually went to see them on stage. Is that right? Surprised. <laughs> You've never seen it? No. Oh gosh, you just look it up on YouTube. Maybe a little bit lower in terms of humor, right? Yeah. What do you mean by that? You know, ever watch uh, Keeping Up With, what is it? Keeping Up Appearances? Mm -mm. Oh my gosh. (laughs) 
You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Hyacinth Bucket. What? That's her name, Bucket. Oh, Bucket. (laughs) And she insists everybody calls call it bouquet. Bouquet. Stop. Yeah. This is like Teresa, y'all's girl Teresa on New on Real Housewives of New Jersey. Oh yeah. What did she change her name? Judice. And what does she say now? Judy Chu. Judy Chu. So it's like that. Bouquet. And that is actually closer to what it would be pronounced in Italian. Okay. Well, Judy Chu. My last name. Actually, I don't know if it's pronounced hearts. It's P H A R T Z. That's it. Yeah. P H A R T Z. So German was originally P H? No, it's H. But when I, we go to restaurants and they're like, name please. And I'm like, P H A R T Z. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, let's get know. to our uh, fish and chips. We've, we've had enough uh, lighthearted banter. Okay. You haven't called it Kiki in a while, so I'm Kiki. Lighthearted banter. All right, it's Keeks. Um, um, and we had a couple of questions, though. We have clarification. One question from the last episode. And questions. And, and a friend asked me this, and I really didn't know how to answer it. But what about, this is more for for babies who are not, baptized. I mean, we went over it that there isn't a purgatory that is holding them there. That's that's not an issue, but what what happens if they aren't baptized? And I'm thinking more of so what happens to baby, but I thought we talked so, about that limbo was not. No, a, but what happen what happens to them if they're not baptized? They go to heaven. Then why are we so insistent on baptizing babies? Um it's actually a really good question. We don't withhold things from babies that they need. Mm. Um, and who doesn't need God's grace? So baptism in the modern sense is not about, I mean, it is about, you know, the salvation that Jesus offers to all of us. But if a baby dies, God forbid, without baptism, that baby goes straight to heaven. And the, but so why do we baptize infants then? We want them to be part of the family. So baptism. So it's is, not to hold heaven away from yeah, people. Yeah, baptism isn't just about getting people into heaven. Baptism is also about bringing people into the communion. You know, mm. uh, yesterday we celebrated All Saints Day, which mm-hmm. reminds us of the communion of saints, that we all belong to each other. When, we, when we're baptized, um, we become part of that family. Now, the question is going to be, what about people who have never been baptized? God figures out a way for them to get baptized, but so know, adults those- as well. So it's not it's not a sentence to hell if you no, haven't been baptized. Not in the Catholic tradition, it's not. Really, there might have been strains within our tradition that believe that at different times, but it's not the physical act of baptism that gets us into heaven. It's it's God who does it. You know, we're, we don't do things to get ourselves into heaven. Heaven is a gift from God. Um, and the reason why we baptize infants is we want them to be part of that my community. If I'm a Catholic and I'm a devout Catholic and I want, I want my child to have what I have. And so just because that child doesn't understand it yet... Um, I still want them to have the experience of grace because who of, who of us can explain grace? You know, a child can't, but neither can I fully. 
um, and to grow up in that grace and to experience it as, uh, you know, um, uh, evolving and growing and developing. Mm. There's a beautiful prayer in the, in the baptismal rite for infants. At one point, the God, one of the godparents takes a candle and lights the Easter, lights, lights it from the Easter candle and then gives it usually to the father because the mom's holding the child. Mm -hmm. And the priest says something to the, the effect of receive the light of Christ. Um, and, um, that they are to keep this light burning brightly mm. um, until the child can take it on themselves. And the way I always think about it is that you're giving that light of Christ into the life of that child, and there's all sorts of things in the world that want to blow it out. Mm. And it's our job as parents and gra uh, godparents, grandparents, friends, family, to form a protective layer around that child as they grow in grace until they get old enough to where they can embrace that light themselves. So it's like, it's becoming part of the family. It's becoming part of the community. Uh, it's becoming part of the life of grace and you don't have to understand it mm. to, to, to receive it. You would never withhold food from your child, physical food. Um, because they need it. And, but that child will never be able to explain what food is or mm -hmm. why food is important mm -hmm. or what kind of food they should be eating. You, as a parent, make that decision for your child. The same thing with baptism. It's why, actually, in the Greek church, when they baptize, they also give a tiny piece of Holy Communion to that infant mm. so that they're actually making their first Holy Communion to receive the fullness of God's grace right there in that moment. Wow. And then they're confirmed right there in that moment as well. So they receive all three of the sacraments of initiation. Because remember, baptism in our tradition and in the Eastern tradition is a sacrament of initiation. Mm -hmm. We are initiated into the life of the church. Mm. And why would you want to keep a baby out of that uh, if you didn't have to? So... And it's not that if they weren't, then they are right, less than right. or, or going to hell or anything. It's just... So this, you have the opportunity to offer this to them. Why wouldn't you? So baptizing a, a child, an infant that is not going to make it is a sentiment and not a requirement. It's, it's, it's not, it's more than a sentiment. It's more than a sentiment. Okay. Okay. It, it, it's it, to get to heaven. It's not a requirement, but I know nurses who will sometimes, you know, there'll be a, uh, premature birth or a baby that's born and barely, you know, is dying. Um, and they will take a little bit of water and they'll baptize because anybody can baptize. So that nurse will baptize that infant. Anyone and, can baptize? Mm -hmm. Anyone can baptize if in an emergency. Okay. Typically it's the, the church's minister that does it as a representative of the church. But in an emergency, you, anybody could do it. You could do it. Mm. Um, and anybody could do it. So um, if it's not a sentiment, then what is it? You know, that's a good a good question. Uh, it's So it's not a sentiment and it's not a requirement. So it's somewhere in between there. You got a word? I've got a, kind of a similar question that asks uh -huh. to this is, so it's more about the church than God. It's both because even though, and this is actually one of the clarifications that I wanted to make based on another email we got 
it's both because we do believe the church is the presence of, of Christ in the world, the body of Christ in the world, made up of us. So God lives in us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. So it is about us as the church. Don't, don't, in this case, don't think of church as bishops and pope. Think about all of us. Yeah. So it is about making sure that baby understands they belong and they belong to this group. Um, and um, so, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling with the word defined between sentiment and requirement because it's more than a sentiment and it's more than a requirement. It is, uh, it is a ritual, obviously a right, um, and rituals help express something deeper. Okay. And since we are embodied beings, we want to, you know, so you use water, it's a sacrament uh, of the church. You don't want to deny someone who, who can receive sacraments, the sacraments, um, for their spiritual life. So let me put it this way. It's not a requirement for salvation. Mm. It is very important for growth in living the life we're called to by Jesus. Okay. So it's more than a sentiment. It's more than just a nice thing to do. It's, it's, I would say it's essential to living the fullness of the life of Christ in this world. Okay. So in that case, it's a requirement, but it's not a requirement to go to heaven. It's a requirement okay. to live the fullness of what it that, means to be a follower of Jesus in this world. That's a good explanation. So for adults um, who are not baptized, Catholic adults. Um, Catholic adults who are not baptized. Catholic adults who are not baptized, who grew, you know, raised their children Catholic. Who, they never baptized their kids. They baptized their kids, but they weren't baptized. Um, and yeah. oh, they were. The parents the parent, were baptized. The parent okay. wasn't baptized, so grew up. Well, you know, did raise their children in the but Catholic faith. Never got faith. around to getting baptized themselves. Never. Yes, They're, but they would want to be baptized. No, just. Mm -hmm didn't see religion as uh, they were, you know, divided mm -hmm. with what they believed right. in with the church and, and all of that. And then. Uh, Is this a person of goodwill? Of, a good person yeah. of goodwill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there again, we're talking about somebody who is, is a non-Christian in effect um, and would um, be saved by God's grace, just as all we all are. God is not limited to uh, one way of saving us. So baptism is kind of a preeminent way that mm -hmm. we enter into the church and enter into the life of Christ and ultimately enter into the kingdom of heaven. But it's not, God's not limited to that one way. So there are multitude of mm -hmm. ways that God can save us that I don't know because I'm not God. Well, it, that was it, right? And that was a question. I, oh, you I was, agree with that? Well, <laughs> well, yes. Uh, but that that was a question that I was asked. Was there was a grandparent that wasn't baptized, but the kids, the grandkids, grew up Catholic, so right. they believe, you know, as as Catholics, we're that's what we believe. You need to be baptized to go to heaven. So, um, but it's safe to say their their grandparent. It's not. Something where they have to be fearful that they no. Just... I would say they're they're definitely in heaven. Um, definitely, I can't say anything definitely because I don't know. Uh, but I would say that um, 
if they wanted to be in heaven, they're in heaven. Okay. Um, because that's ultimately about, it's about, it's, it's about, remember what we talked about being faced with the, that loving mm-hmm. blast of God's but grace when we, when we step into the next world. The Catholic church, just so I'm clear, the Catholic church is not, there aren't requirements from the church in terms of this is, you have to do this to get to heaven. It's not how many times you went to confession in your lifetime. No. It's not you, whether you even confessed on your deathbed. Does it, that it, matter? There, you know, there are things that the church tells us that says there that are good and indicate that we are disposed to wanting to be spend eternity with God. So mm-hmm. living a good life, receiving the sacraments, mm-hmm. um, doing your best to follow what Jesus asked us to do, having a prayer life, that those are all indicators that that's what we want to do. And that, that, that reveals something in our heart, you know, how we treat other people. Are we loving? Are we kind? Are we, uh, uh, generous? Mm -hmm. All of those are indicators of that. We want to be with God. Mm -hmm. Even if we don't think that, that's still an indicator that our spirit wants to be with God. Mm. So the church does say, yeah, there's certain things that kind of highlight that, but none of those tie God's hands. Mm. So that's none of those say, it. yeah. And so therefore, if you don't do those things, you can't be saved because now I'm telling God who can be saved and who can't. Because and the God church might... isn't trying to do that. No. Uh-uh. We've just kind of maybe gotten right. it wrong then. We've never... In the whole history of the church, there's never been anybody who's been condemned to hell. Really? Like by we, the church? By the church. I mean, individuals maybe have done something, you know, but as as the church, we've never identified this person is in hell. We've said that this person is in heaven. You know, so why are, we, why are we stressing out so much on all of these roles? Who's stressing out? Who? I know you meet people that are pretty stressed out over these sorts of things. I mean, the the threat of going to hell is enough to stress yourself out, to think, you know, my child wasn't baptized or right. my grandparent didn't confess. Right I didn't do right. the right thing. I, I don't go to confession or I denounce this or I strayed from the church or Anything, anything. Yeah. You know, as I was listening to last episode, something jumped out that you said. Um, and I don't remember what the context was, but it was something to the effect of I get anxious when I don't know or I, I'm i not sure if I'm doing the right thing. It was that question about Mary. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm giving too much attention, it makes me. And you even said. I lose sleep over it at (laughs) night and I can't remember what the exact thing was, but y'all, y'all listeners, y'all know what I'm talking about. And as I was listening to that again, I thought that needs a clarification because this is something we talked about from our first episode, full circle again here in our last episode of season one, being a Christian shouldn't be something that gives us anxiety. But being a a Catholic gives a lot of us a lot of anxiety. Well, it shouldn't be. Um, It, it, and I know shoulds are, you know, yeah. but do you, but my, my point is that, you know, when that's what I'm hoping with this podcast is that people maybe will feel a little bit less anxious about what they perceive Absolutely. to be their faults and failings and uh, their 
that they're not really fully in the church, that they're only halflings. Right. Um, because a lot of that, unfortunately, I think is, I, I, I almost going to say self-imposed. self-imposed. It is self-imposed, but that's almost too harsh. Yeah. It's self-imposed, but it's sometimes also reinforced by it, the message I, of the church. I think that is a great way to put that. So we got, as a church, we have to acknowledge that and recognize that our message hasn't always been one that reduces anxiety or promotes the freedom of the gospel, but it sometimes drives us a little bit to anxiety. That's why we call it Catholic guilt. I mean, it has a name. I know. And I introduced you to that and you're like, I don't know what Catholic, I don't Catholic guilt. What are you talking about? I'm like, Father Larry, (laughs) you know, it's probably the only one who lives with Catholic guilt. I have the advantage of Uh. not and this is sometimes an advantage. I did not grow up in a strict Catholic household. And you get to go to confession to yourself. You just right, look right. in the they mirror. cannot do that. <laughs> nope. That is completely and totally invalid. We're here to bust these myths. Yeah, That's right. You cannot do that. <laughs> um, um, well, that, okay, this is, this is good to know. And it's very appreciated on my side of the table over here, coloring, um, to hear just the acknowledgement of, okay, we are maybe as a church need to do a better job at not reinforcing that guilt. Um, And at the same time, people need to be maybe um, a little bit more. uh, uh, And I don't know how you do tell somebody to do this. I'm not sure you can, but to be a little bit more confident in your own uh, self and your own relationship with God and trust your feelings. You know, last time, one of the questions we got from the last episode was uh, about, and I said something to the effect of, you know, let God lead you to where, what gives you life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would add, just as a clarification, we do have to be careful that we don't end up creating an idol out of the church. You know, that the church is what we worship rather than than God. Wait, the church is what we worship. That that we don't. That we don't. That we don't okay. get get to that point. Yeah. And um, I think um, I, I do want to clarify that, but I do also think that if someone is drawn more to Mary in in any moment in their spiritual life, and they find a lot of joy and freedom and no anxiety in that, go with it. Yeah. You know, if you find devotion to the Holy Spirit, go with it. You know, if you've got a certain devotion, you know, some people love the rosary. Mm -hmm. Go with it. I enjoy the rosary, but I have never been able, to be honest, to find that it, you know, is something that I'm drawn to every day. And that if I don't do it, I feel like my days, you know, it's it's a great prayer. It's a beautiful Mm -hmm. prayer. And great for those who do. But it's a little, you know, and, and I know just from my own personality, it's my personality does not lend itself to repetitive prayer. So that's okay then. Um, and that's okay. It's perfectly okay. Okay. Um, I don't deny that it's importance. And I think it's great when people have that, but everybody has their own thing that they find themselves particularly drawn to. And that's the beauty, I think, of Catholicism is there's a certain richness there. Mm-hmm. Um, so do we have any other questions? Because we're not getting to our topic. Yeah, I do. Well, I want to finish this one um, and we can just, you can just go over this quickly, but in the situation of a, of a miscarriage, mm-hmm. will, this question was asked, will, would your child know it was you in heaven? Because we, there was a listener who, there was some confusing language we used 
in earlier episodes of mm-hmm. we will have a glorified body. We will right. be, you know, body and spirit. So how do we recognize them and how will they recognize us? How will our grandparents who died when we were much younger, how will they recognize us? So um, how do you recognize people that you love? Is it just by how they look no. in their body? Yeah. Or is it more than that? Well, I know the answer is more than that, but if I mean, if you if you were a kid, but if and your kid, mom walked into your room at night, oh, I, I know little B coming my way. <laughs> However, how would you know that though? It's a very loud step. It's very authoritative. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, I the, mean, some people you know who it is. I right? see what you mean, and um, like I always know it's Ben when he comes in the door, and so does Hallie. Uh, but the the question that I was asked specifically was a situation of a miscarriage where they never, you know, never saw you, never saw you, never, and it was a very short amount of time. And you know what? How how will they rec- will they just maybe even this is a yes or no? Maybe is it will they recognize you? Will they? Will you? So somebody told me, and we know who, I don't want to say the name because I think you might've been part of this conversation that as a mother, she felt a bond with her son already in the womb Mm -hmm. that there was, and that she couldn't describe it, but there was a sense of connection, deep connection. And she knew who this person was. Mm -hmm. Um, don't you think it might be the reverse also? I don't know. I don't I don't know. And I I I mean I hope so, but is that I mean, obviously I don't know either because no. I've never been in that situation. Right. But based on what I know about God and what I know about our faith, it follows that yes, that baby would absolutely know who their mother is because of that bond, but probably also who their brothers and sisters are and who their dad is. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you ever met anybody who had, you know, they'll tell you how many kids they have and they count the one that was miscarried. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that's just a Catholic thing, but you know, a lot of times Mm -hmm. Catholic families will talk about, yeah, five here. And then I have an, what they Mm -hmm. usually say, I have an angel, you know, Mm and um, so, I mean, if we believe in what we celebrated yesterday, the communion of saints and, and the feast of all saints, then that child is experiencing heaven and is experiencing the eternal love of God and is experiencing the, 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 the love of their parents because we're still connected to each other. Right. Okay. That. That just made me think. I mean, just as we are able to. um, I can't give you scientific proof. Right, right. But just as we're able to, you know, we still include our our grandparents and those who have gone on. Um, We still talk to them. We still pray for them. We still um, light candles for them, have them in our home. And they're still with us. So when we when we get there, it's I mean, they're still a part of us. So is that the same for infants? They they grow along with us as as we go along with life until we get to heaven as well. Um, 
remember what we talked about last time that from God's perspective, it's all one eternal now. Mm-hmm. So we all are entering into eternity in that same eternal now. So they're not just sitting around waiting for us. Hmm. That now, that now that God is eternal now is when we all enter into God's presence. But since it's not the eternal now for us, since it's a very different experience for us on earth, um, our, and we feel our, our, the people who have gone before us. Right. So it's not an instant for us. I mean, that person's probably growing in our heart. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my suspicion is when somebody meets that child, they will meet that child in the fullness of their potential, mm. you know, of, mm-hmm. of who uh, who they would have been if uh, they had lived on earth. I, again, I don't have any scientific evidence for this is all speculation, but I just know because God is good and loving and compassionate and wants nothing but the best for us, and heaven is about eternal happiness and bliss, mm-hmm. then obviously that person's going to know their parents if that's part of their happiness and bliss. That's good. You know, there was also a question about why Catholics don't. uh, um, First question is why the church does not encourage us to read the Bible on our own time as much as the Baptist or other Christian churches. I feel as though specifically at non-denominational Christian churches, they're encouraged and possibly asked to bring the Bible and read it in church and outside of church. Growing up in the Catholic, I knew reading the Bible was good, but I feel like since we have readings during Mass, we aren't truly asked to read the Bible deeply. Uh, I also feel like I don't know the Word as much as I should, and that's possibly my own fault, but I wish the church or even Catholic schools pushed to know the Word more than we do now. That is an outstanding question, and it's one that I think the church, at least for the last uh, let's see, 60 years has recognized that there is a, uh, there's a lacuna, mm. um, a hole in how we deal with uh, scriptures and asking people to read the scriptures. And this comes, goes back to the Middle Ages and even the Protestant Reformation. Um, Catholics were not encouraged to read the Bible up until this point, but that was primarily because Nobody could read, Um, you know, so uh, there were no books, you know, up until the uh, 16th century, maybe late 15th century. The really books were not because there was no printing press. So you would think that we would have evolved at this point. Any books before the Gutenberg Bible were handwritten. Well, the windows. And, and in the windows. And yeah, so you had the stories in, in stained glass because people couldn't read. So most of the people in society couldn't read. To be educated was that of the, the, the nobility, the privileged, those with money. So it wasn't that the church discouraged people from reading the Bible, but that people, most people couldn't read. And then the Bible was all written in Latin, which goes back to the days that had been written in Latin, you know, I think in the fourth century, it was translated from Greek into Latin, which was the common language of the day. And then it stayed there. Mm-hmm. Not a good thing, but that's the fact until, you know, the 1500s. So around that time, around the time of the Protestant Reformation, the printing press had been invented. And the printing press, for the first time in the Western world, allowed the reproduction of pages and books 
at a much quicker rate than just sitting there and writing out mm. the word after word. I mean, that takes a long time. JC, I bet you remember when you had to write lines yes, in grade school. Yes, yeah, sure do. Yeah. Sure what, was, do. what was the line you had to write? I will not talk in class. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was mine. I what had, was yours? I had one, one time. I will not scream like a monkey in class. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I went through this phase of doing would, monkey scream. It was a phase. Yeah, it was a phase. Can we oh, hear it? Yeah. I've got to hear it. 14 year old boy. I don't have the voice of a 14 year old boy anymore. <laughs> so, anyway, so, um, you, so we all know, we've all had that experience of having to write lines. So, imagine having to copy the whole Bible, you know, and guess, how many yeah, people it would need. That. To do that, but that—that's so, what every religion faced, though they all faced this. right, and so. and that wasn't an issue because you know many religions the, there wasn't a book that everybody you know had at the center of of their belief. Okay, so um, Martin Luther was part of the Reformation, uh, and and the Protestant leaders that followed him wanted to translate the Bible into the language of the people. Um, and actually the Catholic church did eventually as well was, and it was resistant at first, mm -hmm. partly because they saw what the reformers were doing with passages in the Bible. And it was like, okay, if everybody just gets to read the Bible, you can come up with whatever interpretation you want. And we know this for a fact, even today, mm -hmm. I can justify capital punishment i can justify race uh, racism slavery all sorts of horrible things by misreading right. the bible you know so that was the concern that the church had there's like the bible doesn't belong to an individual yeah. it belongs to the community and so the community should depend on those who know mm. for its interpretation Makes sense. But some people weren't happy with that. Some people wanted the experience. And the church the church was wrong in its resistance, although I understand the resistance. And so over time, more and more people began to learn how to read because books became prevalent. The Bible is still the number one best-selling book in the world, from we what love I understand. To see it. And um, now you have illiterate people who mm -hmm. want explanations and want to know why things are said in the Bible that maybe they don't understand. And I get this even today. People will say, I don't get this passage. You know, why? Uh, I mean, the stories in the Old Testament, some of them are extraordinary, mm -hmm. you know, and and you're like, what's going on here? Did God right. really, you know, get, get a fish to eat Jonah just to teach him a lesson, you right. know? and and. Uh, what about this Noah's Ark? God really killed all those right. millions of people, you know, with a flood? I mean, how, how do you interpret that? How do you understand that? And so over time, the study of the Bible became an actual academic discipline by 18th, mainly in the 19th century, and then it flourished in the 20th century. Um, but we as Catholics had still not caught up to really being Bible readers, like mm -hmm. our Protestant brothers and sisters. So our listener has a point. Yes, we could do more about encouraging people to read the Bible, but it really should be supplemented with good commentaries or explanations of what people are reading so that they know what's going on and how to interpret it. So I believe it's Bishop Barron 
has read the year, the Bible in a year. Aren't you all involved in that project? Mike Schmitz. Father Mike Schmitz. Okay, yeah. So Father Mike Schmitz says they read the Bible in a year, and he does an explanation of it. You know, Mm -hmm. that's a great way to start if you want to read the Bible. Um, Or you can just pick it up and read it yourself. I, I think it's what brought me to the priesthood hmm. is my dad, after he came from back from Vietnam, gave me a Bible that he brought back with him. Probably somebody gave it to him. And he didn't want it, but it was, <laughs> it was like, it, it was like 1972 yeah. and it was called the way. And it was written in modern English language to mm-hmm. understandable and it was filled with all these pictures of young you people, hippies. Yeah, I'm sure got Aww. it somewhere. Hippies primarily, long hair and, you know, crocheted <laughs> hats and, cool. you know, dancing around with yes, your arms flapping yes. in the wind. And, and uh, That 70s Bible. Yeah. But I was, I was 11. I was 11 years old. I read that Bible cover to cover. Really? I was just fascinated by the stories in it. And it took me a while. But um, so the Bible can have a transforming effect. Um, I think even then I understood, okay, a lot of this is not meant to be taken historically, but there's Mm -hmm. something deeper meaning going on here. But sometimes we as a community need help understanding that meaning. And and even today we understand the Bible does not belong to me as an individual. And so I don't have the right to just interpret it definitively as I think it needs to be interpreted. I think we as Catholics believe that the church provides us as a community, mm-hmm. and that's just not the bishops and the Pope, but all of us together, we we come to an understanding of the Bible and its meaning through the agency of the spirit working through the church. That doesn't mean I can't draw individual personal meaning from the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, find a passage and it has meaning for me, but it, it doesn't mean that I can say be, that that means that for everybody right, that reads right. this passage or this is what's going on okay. going on here. Because the other piece of it is in the Catholic tradition, and we haven't talked about this yet, uh, which is a little bit different from the, the Protestant tradition, which believes that the Bible is the only source of God's revelation. We believe that there are two sources, the Bible and tradition. And so tradition is the unspoken part. We know from the Bible itself that not everything was written down. So that's why as Catholics, if we're questioned on, is that in the Bible, it's acceptable in our religion to say no, but it's tradition and we believe in scripture and tradition. And this is, we we can say, this has been handed down from generation to generation. This is not in the Bible explicitly, although usually we can find some kind of implicit just because it's not in the family cookbook doesn't mean it didn't exist. You know, that is brilliant. <laughs> so I'm going to reverse, say that say again. again. <laughs> just because it's not in the family cookbook doesn't mean it what didn't happen. Okay. Just because it's not in the family cookbook. Just because it's not in the family cookbook didn't mean your great-great-grandmother didn't make didn't it. Didn't make it. That's right. So there are okay. things in the family. You know, you have your family cookbook. But then there's that one recipe that grandma made that she's just passed on word of mouth. That's right. And that's what tradition is. Tradition right. is the vehicle of divine revelation and, and you know, things like the doctrine of the assumption, the immaculate conception. That's part of our tradition. 
That's that's her immaculate conception. You know, the sure. one you love, the perpetual virginity of Mary. <laughs> yes. You know, part of the part of the tradition. Two thousand years. You know, yeah. I you know I love you're it. All about that. <laughs> so, and there was a second question to this. My second is very similar. Is why aren't we encouraged to journal? Father Larry has to get to. Um, I've got mass yeah. at four thirty for all souls, which what is time my. Is it? Can someone st- can someone start you? I'm no. texting Sister Pam right now. You want me to tell no, her? No, I've got. I've got forty <laughs> minutes. I usually don't get there to five tell minutes before. Tell us to just before. like vamp a bit. Like, yeah, we got, we got, we got, yeah, this. Get the crowd we'll, we'll have this wrapped up. In She's 10, got the guitar minutes. out. She's. <laughs> so why are we not encouraged to journal? Um, and especially during mass or take notes during mass. Uh, me personally, I think if I wrote down things during the homily, especially I would get more out of it. I, I understand it's not unheard of to do that during mass, but I feel like that it should really be encouraged so we can look back at our notes later on. So we would live by the amazing things we heard at mass. I, I think it can be encouraged. I, I know several people who do it. I'll, I'll, sometimes I'll see somebody whip out a notebook. Mm-hmm. Look, uh, Rebecca, who is in the RCIA, has her um, marked up hymnal and she writes in that. So it. that's pretty cool. That is cool. Um, so I know people do it. Like you say, it can be something people do. I would be reluctant to say it's a good thing because I don't know. Sometimes people take that to heart and they're like, oh, if I'm not journaling, I'm not doing this right. Um, people learn in different ways as well. Right. Yeah. If you, some people, if they're writing, they're, they're not listening. Some people, that's the only way they can listen. Right. To me, that question goes back to Catholic guilt, too. It's like, because I, I read that question and thought, that's such a good point. And then it's like, well, why, if that's something that speaks to you, like, do let's, it. let's encourage that. Yeah. And I want to do that want. with our podcast. Let's encourage it. If you get a lot out of it, go for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, as, as long as it, as long as something's not disruptive. So as know, long as I'm not singing. It's fine. If you're singing with everybody else, it's at fine. A, but if you're time. just in the middle of a homily, start singing. The priests do it. They just you're start like, singing. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> JC, you should write it down. <laughs> just, hand up. Say, I'm sorry. Can you stop and repeat that? Because I didn't get all of that. Uh, yeah. that's it. Say it again, Father Larry. But that's such a good point, JC and Rebecca, is that why would you even have to ask for permission? Now, I can get what you, the, the listener was doing because I think it's a fair question. But what have we become as a church that we feel like we have to ask permission to do something that's not disruptive at all? We're Catholics. Else? We don't ask permission. We say we're sorry. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Actually, one of my pastors I worked with always said it's better to ask for Better to ask for forgiveness, forgiveness than, ask than ask for, for permission. permission. So, yeah. and take take that in the embodiment of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, ask for forgiveness, not permission, when it comes to journaling yeah. or singing or anything that you feel you are getting close to God with. Can we leave you that? No, you're going to get forgiven. I mean, that's I hope yeah. that's everybody's thing. Yeah. Say, so, yeah, you're going to get forgiven. You know, so uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I can't not forgive you. <laughs> they can be mad at you, but they cannot not forgive. Cool, you. I like that. That's a Good. Those are good, good questions. And, you know, please, um, we'll send this out too, but if you have anything you want, a topic that you might be interested in us covering during our live event, send that to fightingcatholicjetlag at gmail.com. Please someone write in and ask more embarrassing stories from Father Larry because I'm dying to know. Um, One one more clarification from last week. Um, And you maybe you answered it when you said. Oh, I do have one more. Okay, let's hear it. 
Go ahead. Do yours. Okay. Um, when we were, when you were saying, um, okay, do we honor the church more than we do Jesus? And it kind of feels like we're honoring the church more. And Father Richard Rohr in his book that you're referencing kind of says we should do that because Jesus was just a man. No, he does not say that at all. Okay. No, that's actually heresy. That's what I thought. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I've been sitting with this all week. And yeah. yesterday yes. we had a glass of yeah. lunch wine and I'm like, I got to tell you, yeah, yeah. this sounds like, you know, this feels that, like a cult. And that is what I, yeah, that was part of my, <laughs> my clarification God. was to be clear. Jesus is fully divine, fully human. And we love him. And he's number human one. Human nature and divine nature in one person. He's number one. Yeah. So he. Is he number one? He is. Yes, he's I number mean, one. He is. At, he, he's Jesus Christ. But what Roar was trying to say was that Christ is not Jesus's last name. In other words, it's not just something tagged on to Jesus. It's part of who he is. It's his very essence. And that in that identity, he existed from all eternity. As a human being, he existed from the moment he was conceived in his mother's womb. But in his divinity, in his role as the Christ, the one who unifies the, all of creation, the one through whom God created the world, he is the Christ. So is his last name of Nazareth? Yeah. His, what probably would be uh, Jesus Bar Joseph. Bar Joseph. Which is that, in a, and obviously in, yeah. in the Semitic language of his time in Aramaic. So, you know, Yeshua probably, and I'm not sure what Joseph would have been. But oh, yeah, Bar, and you know, like Bartholomew is son of Ptolemy. Yeah. So part of my, my <laughs> clarificational kind of goes along with that because it's very easy to fall into Christological heresy. Okay. And hold the phone. Crystal heresy having to do with Christ. Got it. Having to do with Jesus. Crystallology. So, you know, the early and one of the first episodes that we're going to have in the new season is when look at the creed and which is going to be all about the Christological heresies. Because the creeds emerged from those. And the creed is our what? What we believe. Yes. So I believe in one God, what we say our on, on Sunday. Yeah. Um, um, I, Rebecca and I went to Mass yesterday. And for All Saints Day, mm-hmm. Bishop Melly did a great job. And at the end, when we went to lunch, she was like, oh, I had a thought, you know, during during the creed. She's like, I need to learn that before I become Catholic. I need to know what I'm signing myself up for. Yep. I'm like, In fact, part of your right. scrutinies, I think, um, I don't think you have the creed during the scrutinies, but at one point, there'll be a ritual where you are given the profession of faith. We'll be covering that on yeah. season creed. two of Fighting Catholic right. Jetlag. Right at the beginning. But my point being that I want to be clear in terms of a, a clarification about last time, I don't want it to seem like Jesus, the Father, and the Spirit are so separate that what we say about Jesus, we can't say about the Father. So um, okay. they are um, three persons in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But and, and they're not the same, but whatever you say of the Father, you can say of Jesus. Whatever you say of Jesus, you can say of the Father. Whatever you say of the Spirit, you can say of Jesus, and you can say of the Father, mm. because they are one God. That trick. No, much more than triplets. One God in three persons. Mm. Okay. So they they are uniquely one in their divinity um, and expressed, and expressed is even the wrong word, but we'll go into all of that when we look at the creed because the creed kind of breaks all that down. Trinity is uh, one of the most difficult concepts 
to grasp. It really and is. Again, just as it, like it's easy to go falling to Christological heresy, falling to Trinitarian heresy, and heresy just means thinking about things the wrong way, is is also easy. But and most of us do at one time or another, just yeah. because it's so easy. It's so easily done. But the early church was split in two, literally two halves between on, on this understanding of who is Jesus. Is he fully God and fully human, or is he just a really special human being, but not fully God? That's a good, that's a good and, question. And What's the, the answer? The creed that we will recite, um, that we recite every Sunday, was an attempt in 325 and then in 381 at the Council of Nicaea and the Council of Constantinople, the first and second ecumenical councils, which is a council of all of the bishops of the world, to try to address that question. That is our cliffhanger. Oh, that's for a good the second one. Season. So tune in next season to have this answered. We we are also going to go over lots of other pressing questions that I'm dying to have answered. But not like, in the first episode, right? Not in the first episode, over a season. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll be covering things. We we want to know what you want to hear about, what you would like answered. So um, I know I want to hear more about women in the church and um, our our place in in the church and and why we're not allowed to be in certain positions. You can uh, bring a fr- call a friend if you want to. Get- oh, can I? Yeah, okay. yeah, definitely. Um, all right. So since today's all souls, you're not going to hear this day. until days after. We yeah. thought we would end with prayer for the dead. Yes. Uh, the eternal rest prayer. So why why do we say this prayer for Well, souls? if you remember from episode five, six, we talked about this when we talked about purgatory and why we pray for the dead. And remember I talked about how when I pray for my grandmother, she knows I was with her in her moment of dying. Mm-hmm. And that when we experience that moment of purgation, entering into that, that incredible fire of God's love, mm-hmm. that everything that is not of God is burned away and we're purified. Mm. And that is an intense experience. Mm-hmm. And so just as in any intense experience that we have in life, whether it's uh, going to first grade, getting married, giving a child, whatever it might be, graduation, it always helps that we know there's somebody's there. Mm -hmm. So the two most important moments in terms of our intense life experiences are being born Mm -hmm. and then being born into eternal life at death. So knowing that somebody's there with us Mm -hmm. to ease us, to pray for us, to give us comfort as we're entering into something that's unknown Mm -hmm. uh, is helpful. Okay. And beneficial to the person experiencing that moment. And so on the Feast of All Souls, we pray in a g- general way, especially the celebration of Mass, for all those who have died. Mm. All right. And that prayer then is applied to their moment of death. All righty. So that Let's their experience of purgatory might be within the company of someone who loves them and cares enough about them to pray for them. And this is a traditional prayer we say on All Souls this Day, but you're welcome you to say, say you say anytime. You, uh, I say it whenever I pass a cemetery. Okay. I say it whenever I pass one of those crosses on the side of the road, you know, yes. marking where somebody's been killed. Um, or, I do it when an ambulance passes. That's when I do my prayer for the 
but that should be a prayer, hopefully for the living that they it's survive. More, yeah, you're right. I do more of a prayer of, oh, just be there, Jesus. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So y'all, uh, some many of you listeners will know the responses. Um, and if JC not, I'll, I'll help and you. Rebecca knows the responses. So uh, we'll go from there. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Eternal mm-hmm. rest grant unto them, O Lord. And let the perpetual light shine upon them. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed rest in peace. Amen. May they rest in peace. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary Mother, Mother of God, God pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Glory be, glory be to the Father, and of the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in, in the, the beginning, beginning is, is now, and, and ever shall be, world without, without end. end. Amen. Amen. This podcast is ended. Go in love as as you've been loved. loved. And peace be with you. And we'll see you on the 14th. We'll see you next season. And Godspeed. Ciao.